Hello, welcome to the Two Russells podcast. I'm Russell Jervis. Uh, and I'm the other Russell. I'm Russell Quirk. So we um, dreamt up this idea uh, three or four months ago that uh, a property podcast was needed um, to test the pulse of the property uh, market and get two Essex boys uh, on a couch or a sofa or chair or whatever it may be um, and talk about all things Property, the two Russells who both have um, an extensive, apparently, uh, knowledge of the property industry. Your background, Russell? Uh, yes, yeah, so my background is property, fun enough. Um, so I very famously had, should we get this out of the way first, by the way? Yeah. I had a massive failed business called eMove. I could kind of hear the applause just in the background there. Um, so the way I like to put it is that I had the bravery to start one of the first online estate agency businesses back in 2009. Uh, it went very well until it didn't. Uh, and then we ran out of other people's money, which people constantly remind me in the comments section of Property Industry I. Thank you very much. Um, but no, in all seriousness, uh, traditional estate agent for many, many years, did the emu thing, learned a lot about media, marketing and comms, mm -hmm. particularly PR. Uh, so then the guy that was helping me run PR at the time, James Lockett, he and I, when EMU failed in 2018, decided that we would set up a PR firm, but dedicated to property people. Uh, so estate agents, house builders, prop tech, mortgage lenders, blah, blah, blah. So that's now over five years old, going very, very well. Um, and I guess my property industry background, I think, really helps when it comes to dealing with those clients and the media, because we understand the sector. Uh, you, of course, similarly, have ended up in a different sector, but albeit with a property background, right? Definitely, yeah. Uh, a career estate agent uh, up until 2019 from the, the trainee negotiator um, to managing director of um, Spicer Heart. One leading, of the biggest independent yeah, estate agencies. Leading in independent estate agent in Europe, uh, as uh, the claim used to be. Yeah. Um, I think they, maybe they still are, I'm not sure. Um, well, then, and, then should we talk a little bit later on about how it's going since you've left? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> come on, Russell. Um, <laughs> let, let's be gentle. Um, and then moved into uh, recruitment. Yeah, so with Rainer Personnel, um, three and a half years into that now, yep. um, helping people find they're great opportunities or great companies find great candidates and yeah. uh, another interesting conversation about my my learnings from the world of recruitment uh, yeah so in we, the last we've, three years. we've been out a few times with your mate and mine josh rayner had a few kind of um conversations maybe aided by a beer or two where we ended up kind of coming up with this idea where we thought the whole two russells thing uh you see what we're doing here by the way two ronnies two russells just in case you're not getting it um, <laughs> we thought that would be funny well also chris who's filming this found it quite funny because he said russell who's going first yeah Oh, and we yes. both went, yeah, whatever. So uh, we thought that would be quite amusing. The fact that we both have a very significant property background. Uh, and look, let's be honest, we're both fairly well known, I think, in the industry. You know, you for the right reasons, me for the wrong reasons, probably. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think you maybe got a misconception there. I'm sure there's plenty of people in, uh, in the world of property that um, are, are not a raving fan from my times of, uh, oh, really? of yeah. middle management, which is another subject to talk about later on today. Russell, yeah, well, let's talk about subjects. Because we, we reckon this is going to be, what, 30 to 45 minutes long. Let's see how it goes. This is episode number one. Um, we said on the way in, look, there's so much to talk about. How on earth do we decide what to talk about? But for me, the number one thing at the moment, because it's so topical, has to be what I would refer to, Russ, as house price nutters. House price nutters. Okay, go on then. Expand. <laughs> I mean, since since I met Russell this morning, um, he's talked about nothing else but house price nutters. So let's get that out of the way first of all. So yeah. house price nutters. 
nutters. House price nutters. Because right. you need to educate me, because I'm like, right, what, okay. what are you talking so about? So let, let's talk about house price nutters. So there are there's a plethora of property experts uh, that are on LinkedIn, on Twitter, Instagram. They've got YouTube channels. They get a bit of airtime, perhaps, in broadcast media, so TV and radio. They're sometimes asked to comment in the national press. Um, there, there's lots and lots of so-called experts, right? And look, I, I, I count myself as one of them. I think where we've got to, though, with some of these experts is that they've cottoned on to the fact that controversy and being out there in terms of your opinion can actually sometimes promote you and elevate you in terms yeah. of your personal brand. What that, I think, has led to is certain, not just individuals, actually, but institutions exaggerating what they think is going to happen in the housing market based on certain events, for instance, uh, whereby then they say, oh, the housing market is going to crash. Yeah. There's house price on again. 20% fall, 30% well, fall. Well, there, there, there are some, and you'll all know who I'm referring to here, that let's just say make proper Charlies of themselves <laughs> by, by <laughs> predicting that you know, the housing market is going to crash 35%. You know, uh, and I think what has been termed by this particular individual, a top-to-bottom drop of 35%. Now, of course... You could elongate the goalpost to be yeah. hundreds of miles wide and long if you want in terms of what that means in terms of timeline. But we all know that what that person's saying is house prices are going to drop over a period of time by 35% uh, for all sorts of economic factors. Whether you think that's going to happen, you know, in a year, two years or three years or whatever, the fact is you're saying that the housing market is going to be in trouble. And, and, and let's be honest, let's be clear, over the last six or seven years or so, I mean, eight years, I guess, from the time of the Brexit vote, which was in 2016, and almost the run-up to that, then we had uh, the prospect of a no-deal Brexit, then we had COVID, now the recovery from COVID, Ukraine war, inflation, high interest rates, blah, blah, blah. And we've got the 6th of, of March heading towards us as well. Well, yeah, let, let me come to that. So so you, what you've had as a consequence of all of these world events, and by the way, there's always world events, right? There's always yep. stuff going on, yep. is people taking that as an opportunity to say, ah, right, well, that means uncertainty. That means bad news. Therefore, people aren't going to buy houses anymore. Sellers are going to have to sell for a silly low price, yep. and therefore the housing market crashes the reality is no matter what we highlight amongst all those economic factors the housing market has remained incredibly resilient yet still and in fact as we sit here now the latest halifax nationwide numbers say so as we're shooting this in february 2024 that 2023 actually ended slightly up yeah so january yeah. to december house prices were up very very marginally certainly not a massive drop certainly not a crash so i i continue to call out the house price nutters that are using if you like, a promotional platform to make a name for themselves based on exaggerated forecasts, because I think it's you're, really you're, you're dangerous. You're the only one I ever see take someone to task on this. I mean, each year in um, the property press and um, whether it be the negotiator or property industry eye or, or whichever form it is, there is always so-called experts giving their prediction for the future. And every year they roll out, they roll out again and again and again. Yeah. Um, and no one ever takes them to task on last year you said, yeah. where's the credibility well, for and, and, this and, year? And, and famously, you're right, you're right. But even very, very recently, the might of Knight Frank, who we all respect. Right? Well, are, our cabbie does. Our cabbie on the way here, yeah. We Russell said to him, name a couple of estate agents. He named Purple Bricks. And Knight Frank, right? And so, Foxtons. And Foxtons, yeah, indeed. So um, so even Knight Frank, though, in the last few weeks have gone from predicting a 4% drop in house prices in 2024, literally to a few weeks later saying, oh, no, actually, sorry, we've changed our minds. Uh, we think it might go up 3%. 
a 7% swing, swing. Before, yeah, yeah. between what they said in kind of November and what they're saying and, in And January. in the market sector they deal with, you're not talking yeah. a couple of thousand and, pounds, and are so you? And so Office of Budget Responsibility, which is supposed to be the entity that actually tells the government what's going to happen as a consequence of their economic policies, their, their, their kind of uh, the actions that they undertake. Uh, the Bank of England, HSBC. I mean, we could name probably 10, 12, 15 entities over the last year, two years, three years, four years, five years, that have all predicted big house price falls, house price falls, um, including, and I'm going to have to mention his name, uh, and in fact, you know what we should do, Russ? We should get him on. Oh. We should get him on. We have never, me and this individual, I'm going to mention his name in a second, you all know who I'm talking about, I've never gone head-to-head -head with Charlie Lambdin, apart from on Twitter and LinkedIn. Okay, where, Charlie, there's your, where there's we your invite. On. So, Charlie who I actually really like. I'd say he's a friend, actually. I mean, he's interviewed me and I've had, you know, I've had lots and lots of interactions with him over the years. But he's making a tit of himself, frankly, aren't you, Charlie, in terms of this continued kind of uh, stubbornness around the fact that house prices are going to drop over some period of time by 35%. Uh, and by the way, whilst you elongate those goalposts more and more and more yeah. and say that could happen in two years, five years, I mean, why not say 10 years, right? We're never going to know, are we? Because, of course, if you keep moving those goalposts further and further back, uh, he knows that we can never get to a point where I say, ah, see, it told you you were wrong. The direction of travel, though, in terms of that prophecy of huge price drops clearly is not coming true based on all of the data and all the statistics. Mm -hmm. Charlie will argue, if he has the um, cojones to come on this with you and I, um, that you can interpret the data differently, that you should add this, take that away, you know, move your spreadsheet around somewhat so as a consequence it says something and, different, and, and which, which is just horseshit. And the consequence is interesting, isn't it? Because if you look at, um, you know, our cabbie and the man on the street, um, they're reading these headlines, they're getting shocked into it. And then you look at the industry, um, is when it gets down to, you know, Johnny Negg um, on, the, on, on the front desk in Clapham, yep. um, you know, all he's thinking about is, I suppose, what price do I need to get this house down to get interest on it? They, 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 well, they quote those um, yeah. house price drops. I'm sure lots of head offices send out, you know, this is what the price is doing. Get reductions, get reductions, get reductions. Yeah. But there still always seems an appetite um, for people to buy. And, yeah, and so it, I, don't, I think it just adjusts the offers that are being made. It so doesn't it's not, stop it, people buying. Yeah, so it, it doesn't help the estate agency industry in terms of it providing obstacles. But what it really does, this kind of overtly exaggerated negative prophecy thing, it scares the public. And it makes the public think, oh, right, if house prices are going to drop, I definitely won't buy anything. I mean, particularly first-time buyers. But, but, but here's a number, right, which, which is... An, However you skew the data, I'm afraid this is true. If you had been persuaded by Charlie and his chums in 2016 not to buy a home because you were worried that if you did it would drop in house uh, in price terms, guess how much you've lost on the basis that house prices have gone up in that period by a specific amount? £75,000. I was going for sixty, but you, 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 got me, you got me at sixty. So I think Charlie... I think Charlie and he calls him the property stig or something alex groundwater he's uh, he's data mate uh, i think they have a lot to answer for that they have cost tens maybe hundreds of thousands of first-time buyers seventy-five thousand pounds and, and i guess my question when charlie sits here in the next few weeks is um have you got your checkbook with you charlie because you need to be writing out checks to these people presumably don't you so what would you do differently what would you do differently russell as a house price forecaster where would you uh, pitch so i i think that there's a difference between economists that look at, you know, linear data and uh, try to 
interpret data sometimes to their own argument, which is what Charlie and Alex are doing, and understanding behavioural economics. So there's a huge body of work now around behavioural economics. So free economics books, uh, for instance, kind of highlight what people do that you didn't expect them to do. So, I mean, a, a great example in our industry, Russ, is online estate agents. Yeah. So you would imagine, if you said to an economist, the average estate agency fee in Britain is three and a half grand. I'm going to charge 500 quid. That economist would say, oh, you're going to clean up. Everyone's yeah. going to come to yeah. you. Yeah. Well, they didn't, did they? Online estate agency only got to an 8% market yeah. share. It's largely, you could argue, apart from successes like Yopa, frankly, and Verona Frankish, mm-hmm. apart from one or two businesses, the online estate agency sector that's cheaper, therefore, than the regular estate agent, I think has failed. So mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't follow. And why is that? It's because the behavior of the human being says that mm-hmm. I'm a bit suspicious of it. I think mm-hmm. it's a bit too cheap. Although, back to our cabbie test, um, Purple Bricks was the same, the first company named, if you name an estate agent, which uh, back in my days when you'd arrive in Cardiff um, to see how the perception of our marketing was going, the first thing you'd ask a, a cabbie as you left the station was, uh, if I'd heard um, of you. could you name a... Um, could you name an estate agent? Who would you use? And, unprompted, and that, <laughs> unprompted awareness. Un, unprompted, which set, set the tone for that uh, that day's branch visit. Yeah, um, I mean, in fairness, Purple Bricks, case maybe. Purple Bricks did spend £100 million on brand awareness through TV and so on. Um, it's just a shame. Sorry, it's another little controversial comment. <laughs> just a shame that all of that brand collateral, a business actually that had a, a decent brand awareness and name, that's now all been wasted, having now been bought by Strike, whereby they're going to do the opposite of the right thing and go to a free model as Strike Okay. Um, or maybe Sam Mitchell would like to come and defend himself and uh, um, explain those reasons because Sam, um, we'd love to have you on here. In fact, we'd love to have anybody in the property industry um, of interest to come and talk to the two Russells about um, your business, why you're in business, and what your vision uh, for that future is. Um, on that 30% drop, the one thing that would be happening in um, the towers of all estate agents um, would be well, a 30% drop in house price equals a 30% drop in fees well especially if your transactions drop right yeah. so because the estate agents really care about liquidity and, and then wages well, well yeah and wages yeah so we've talked about this a lot and i know this is something you want to talk about today um is what estate agents are paid yeah what are estate agents paid it's interesting isn't it that um, well, we how it's some, changed well yes, right. and and that's one of the points um we we looked at uh I think Rainer Personnel now been in business for 20 years. Josh has been in business. We dug out one of his first placements and it was a, a senior negotiator in Epping um, on £16,000. That was 20 years ago. As a basic. And how's that basic, basic changed since? Barely. Barely the same. For some companies still 17, 18, Yeah, so the OTE has changed. So the on-target earnings obviously Because house prices have gone. Because house prices, in, in 20 years, house prices are up, whatever, 125, yeah. 150%, let's say, roughly, whatever, whatever the number is. So as a consequence of that, the negotiator stroke, office manager stroke list is going to earn more money. Yeah. Um, but they're almost a slave to house prices. Definitely. I mean, what if house prices were flat? Yeah, and especially on um, you know a percentage with a 30% drop, you, you get that in. And the average commission now being paid outside of London, um, about 5%. So let, let me ask you this challenging question then as a recruiter and someone with an estate agency background. Why aren't estate agents paid enough? Is it the employer's fault? Um is it the estate agents' fault? They're not worth anymore. You know, when I when I look at um, estate agents who drive profitability and profitable businesses, obviously that's what they're in business. A lot of them in business for, and you start peeling back the layers and layers and layers and layers of charges that they have um, to make these offices profitable. Mm. Um, I really think the person that is losing out at the 
front front end, you know, at the coalface, are those negotiators. Because, you know, you're paying for um, a recharge usually for maybe an area manager, maybe another line yeah. of manager, a level line manager, a head office. Head office rent up rates. Up and up and up, which yeah. is when you um, you start dissecting it, and one of the biggest bugbears we hear um, from uh, people looking to make a move is how much they have to earn within a business to actually make profits. Well, let's look at the unit economics of that then. So typically... An estate agent goes out. Let's say. List- By the way, I was one, Russell. I was. I was one of those charges. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah, a head so, office yeah, bond. Yes. Right. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And the car and your yeah. huge salary, of course. Yeah. Um, but let's say so. Agent Definitely goes out. Salary. Lister goes out. Lists something. Gets sold. Uh, commission on average in the UK three and a half thousand pounds or thereabouts. Um, what percentage of that goes to the agent typically? Just for those that might be watching this that actually aren't in property and don't know. So typically about what, five, maybe ten percent goes yeah. to the individuals. And individuals, nine, yeah. Ninety to ninety-five percent is retained by the business for not just overhead, but let's be clear, profit. Yeah. Which there's nothing wrong with salaries, profit, marketing, yeah. right move costs, which uh, yeah. obviously everyone's up in arms now, about. In other markets, US most of Europe, in fact, just about every other market in the world, is a very different model, isn't it? Yeah. So there's a self-employed focus. Yeah. And the consequence of that, apart from, I would imagine it, not needing as much infrastructure, because, of course, the agent is responsible for most of their own stuff around compliance and admin and so on, the splits are somewhat different. Yes. Yeah. Typically. See, 70%. 50 plus, isn't it? 70% to the agent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And of course, there are some making big efforts to do this in the UK. So let, let's mention as many of them as we can, I suppose. So you've got EXP, Keller Williams, the agency, Chris Buckler's new business, yeah. the estate agent. Yeah. TAUK. Uh, Keller Williams, who obviously I used to be involved with. IAD. IAD. Uh, yeah, big firm that obviously are launching here in uh, in the UK from France. Um, Harding and I, Green in London. Yep. Sotheby's. Yeah. I mean, people don't think of Sotheby's um, as a yeah. self-employed model. Alice Bullard's Nested, Nested yeah. which is doing very very, very well. So there's there's about, I reckon, with EXP being the biggest, so EXP now have about 500 agents, there's about a 1,000 self-employed agents in Britain that we would look at as using what I guess you term the American model. model yeah. So it's a very small percentage still of what, 50, 60,000 estate agents in Britain. What do you see as a recruiter? Do you see that that's starting to get traction and starting to get bigger? Um, we've it's, it's, it's hit a little bit of a, um, a, a sort of stop in, in the past three to four months, we've seen a slowdown of those inquiries. And maybe that's because um, the property sector generally has got busier. So those people who are thinking, right, January, February, I'm going to make a move are now seeing their pipelines um, rising. So uh, they're not quite going down that route, which is where um, we're seeing certain self-employed models offering the support package, which is tempting the people so i think people so it's almost to a hybrid a little bit more yeah a bit of a hybrid advanced so, commission yeah, yeah. giving them some money up support. front yes. and, and, and yeah. look, i think different models in britain some of which come from the states some of which don't i mean as we said iad comes from france nested yeah. is very much a homegrown model some of them offer more support than others not just around admin and compliance but nested i think are very very good at providing marketing support i, for I the also agent. think russell this work-life balance that's promoted continually you know work-life balance work-life balance come and be self-employed have a work-life balance I, I, I don't see it. I see come and be self-employed and work harder than you've ever worked before. But if and on average that person does have the ability to do what they want when they want, they might choose to work hard. They might choose to door knock on a Sunday and so on. If there's a consequence that they're earning 80, 90, 100K, we hear stories, I mean, yeah. and I've seen this with yeah. my own eyes, that there are some self-employed agents, maybe a handful, maybe 10 in Britain, that are earning big six figures. 
Oh, no, I've definitely seen people earning some some big, big yeah. money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And doing it and, really, and, really and, well. And I'm going to name, name some names. Just to I'll name some names as well. Okay, Scott Gunn. top trumps. Scott Gunn. Uh, Dominic Rachel Marcel, Dominic Marcel. Alex Harvey. Anne Smith. Uh, ben Moore. And so on. So EXP, some Keller Williams uh, and, and and others that are earning... Mario Rowe, figures. we should have mentioned as well, properly. Sorry, Mario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, there, there's a few, but there's probably only 10 or so. So... Look, I think self-employed, I'm not, people say to me sometimes, you think self-employed is the future. I don't think there's, it's binary. I don't think mm. either self-employed or employed are only the future in themselves. I think what will happen is self-employed will take a decent chunk of the estate agency market. I think, frankly, some of the best estate agents that have the boldness and the support and maybe some money behind them in the first instance will go self-employed. Why, why do you think we don't talk about um, those entrepreneurs um, who go and open their own business? Um, as being self-employed, because ultimately that that's what they are. You know, they've you, got a branch. I suppose you, we're differentiating. Yeah. I guess. I mean, maybe we shouldn't, but we're differentiating. They're still between... taking that risk, that leap, that yeah, yeah. and some would say yeah. an even bigger risk because. But it's a different um, model, isn't it? You know, to to have a branch and then you employ a lister, then you employ a couple of negs. But you start so usually with yourself. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The two rooms open here on. Hackney High yeah. Road and, um, but, but and the, open and estate agent. We're self-employed. There's no... Yeah, no, we you're, are. You're, but the beauty, you're backing yourself, The beauty you? of the EXP, Keller Williams, IAD type model is that it's branchless yeah. uh, and therefore you don't have that, that overhead. And it comes back to the debate that I was having very controversially back in 2009, 10, 11. Do we need branches? Um, and I, I've gone really through the ringer in my own mind yeah. about the answer to that. You know, I used to think you didn't need branches at all. Then I see certain businesses, whether it's take Foxtons as an example, that use their really slick branches yeah. as advertising hoardings like they do their minis in a very clever way. When you when you come back to that um, reallocation of costs, you definitely say at the moment that Guy Gittings is earning his money, as you mentioned, well, Foxtons. He, he, he is, looking at the... Uh, City yeah. performance and the turnaround of that business. Guy, guy is turning that business around. It's what what I like to say. Foxton's getting its mojo back. Okay. It's going back almost to a kind of version of the John Hunt days in a yeah. really good way, I think. Um, so yeah, look, I, I think so. There's there's a place for branches. The fact is, look, is there now more room and more opportunity for a good agent that wants to graft and go out and find their own leads, in particular, yeah. through networking events, door knocking, or whatever to actually promote themselves through personal brand. Their personal brand then becomes almost the shop front. Yeah. So you don't need the shop front. However, I would also argument, argue that in places like where I live, in Shenfield that you'll know, um, in smaller towns where people are going into the high street most days to the station, to Tesco's yeah. or whatever, seeing a Beresford's front yeah. every day is part of their marketing. marketing yeah. So therefore the office is... Kind of necessary because you've got a, I suppose some would argue you've got a big business, you've got to have somewhere to put your people, but you may as well have something prominent that is an advertising hoarding. And, and somewhere for the execs to visit. Yeah, but but do your old mate, Paul Smith, who I'd love to have sitting here, by the way. Paul, if you're interested, uh, contact one of us. Um, both of us I know you know and, uh, and like very much. Um, if you want to come on to the sofa here with Russell and Russell and look, talk about the virtues of the Spicer Heart organisation, uh, what you're doing in the future, what your succession looks like, um, how the business is running, whether you think self-employed or online is still a threat to a traditional business like yours, uh, let us know. Um, but yes, well, that's question. A, that's a hub and spoke model, isn't it? Yeah, that my the... question is, but does Paul Smith need all of those branches? You know, Do yeah. Countrywide Connells need, what are they up to now, 2,000 branches? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think the answer is it depends. It depends where that branch is. Um, I, mean, I don't, yeah, a I don't think of, they need a lot of strong independence, and uh, it's difficult, isn't it? Because yeah. many of the um, large agencies in the UK are still independently 
owned. Well, the majority, the long tail, I mean, something like 20 to 30% of estate agency is corporate. Yeah. The rest of it is independence, one, two, three branches. Yeah. You know what we should do in the future? Well, you've got your tens, though. You've, you've got your tens, you've got your twice yeah, of hearts, independent, and so your Aaron's, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Chancellors. Benham Reeves and so on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so there, there, is, there is a lot so of... what we should do, we should get... We should have a self-employed debate, I think, in the yeah. next few weeks. So we should get the likes of Adam Day and maybe Mark Reddings from Keller, Chris Buckler uh, and others. Verona, uh, Alice, you Leo, mentioned. Brian, Alice. Yeah, get Lee, four or five yeah. of them in. Yeah. Um, not for them to do an advert for their well, What about a self-employed model. agent? Let's get a self-employed an agent. Yeah. agent. So, Let's get so we should agents. have that in terms of... Although Scott's back on the tools, isn't he? With, um, Scott come with footprints. Footprints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know that because of LinkedIn, which is where, obviously, you know... He so is promoting himself really, really well, which is where, yeah. in my experience, with whether it be recruitment or agents, you know, if you're going to be self-employed, yep. you've got to put yourself all in. Yep. Unless you only want to take a little bit. Out. But I think there's a lot to it, as I think we should explore in another podcast, which is, you know, how do you make sure that you've got the support of your family? Um, how do you make sure? So when when someone tells you, by the way, and this is this is for next time, but just as a, a little taste. When a self-employed model says to you, well, of course, you'll list and sell and, you know, basically you need money enough for six months to hold you over until you start banking fees. It ain't six months. It's 12. Yeah. yeah. I can tell you it's 12. Right. Definitely. So so if it costs you £3,000 a month to live, you need £36,000 in the bank to live uh, for that period of time. Uh and the hope that you're good enough and you'll generate enough leads yeah. that turn into listings, that turn into sales. We, we should have that debate, I think. Um, we should also have the debate, I think, that, you know, the, the debate between perhaps the principle of a traditional estate agency business that says, I, I'm sorry, you guys keep coming up. Online estate agency, the seekers of this world. Yeah. Do you remember them yeah. back seekers, in the day? Do you remember yes. them? Yeah. Um, yeah. And now self-employed. But the likes of Martin Gerrard and Beresford's, they're still standing and they're still doing okay. Yeah. Connell's one of the most profitable businesses and, in the industry. Definitely. And 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 you know, they're completely wedded to their branch network. You know, we talked to yeah. Ian Fry or David Plumtree again. Um, love love to see one here, gents. Um there there is a um complete commitment to their branch network. And yeah. you know, the area that I live in and around, the agents that I talk to, they are completely wedded to their yeah. branch network. Um well, and only... completely wedded um to, you know opening new branches well, as yes. well. Yes, they're, they're not only opening new branches, but I predicted actually in December, talking to predictions, that this year would see... <laughs> we'll hold you to it. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I'm we'll happy. definitely for, hold you I, to I've it. I've won loads of bets based yeah. on my predictions. Yeah. Um, many others have, um, have lost and some haven't even paid out. But anyway... I predicted we might get some interesting comments on this podcast. Well, but, I think uh, we might. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the whole point. Yeah, um, yeah so my, one of my predictions in December was that this year would see lots of M&A, so lots of mergers and yep, acquisitions. Yep. We've already seen that. So, for instance, Lomond, right? So mm -hmm. um, a business where may, maybe not every agent is familiar with the brand, um, but you know they will know that, for instance, they, they'll know DJ Alexander in Scotland, yep. which Lomond bought uh, a year or two ago. Lomon now have bought 50 businesses, estate agency businesses that are branch based in yeah. the last three years alone. And they're not the only ones. You know, Leaders LRG, Romans, yeah, yeah, I was looking Dexters. At, yeah. I mean, these guys yeah. are prolifically buying branch based businesses, businesses, mainly lettings, actually, but sales and lettings. Wouldn't it be great to have one of them on here to yeah. talk about their philosophy, why they're doing that? Yeah. You know, against the grain. Because if you had, let's say, I don't know, Ed Phillips from Lomond and Adam Day sitting here, one is advocating branches are still the future. One What's is advocating they? they're absolutely no, not. Work from home, and, work and, from an office. And it might come across as a, a well-worn yeah. debate, yeah. but I think it's a debate the industry still needs to have, don't you? Yeah.
Yeah. So we're, we're approaching uh, the end of this first podcast, Russell, which is amazing, isn't it? How quickly it goes. I, Indeed. I hope it doesn't, uh, I hope it goes as quickly when you're listening, <laughs> as quickly as it's gone um, in, in, in recording. But um, we thought podcasts for the industry would be um, something that people would really want to get into and other people have tried and had a little go at, but we want to get the industry on here, don't we? Um, yeah. We don't want people just listening to to me and you. So um, who'd be on your wish list to, to get on here? You've mentioned some names already, but, you know, the next podcast, who would you like to get you on know, here? You know, I, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of people and I, and I think there's a lot of people that perhaps are slightly under the radar. I mean, I'd love to have Guy Gittins on from Foxons because yep. he's only a year and a bit into his tenure. Well, I see you wore your green tie and I bet you <laughs> I, I bet you a tie if uh, Guy's coming in because yeah, yeah, I got yeah. told off last um, time I I think there. that the self-employed boys and girls, you know, the likes of Rona Frankish uh, from online stroke, I mean, they're not self-employed as such but as a fixed fee agency Alice Nested uh, Alice Bullard from Nested rather um, Adam Day Chris Buckler um, I think I'd love to see the corporates what we call the corporates putting their head above the parapet a little bit more um, so the likes of the guys at Connells um, and definitely look Paul Smith you know I've never met Paul Smith um, I have crossed swords with him a few times you obviously used to work for yeah, him yeah 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 um, for many but, years but, for many many wonderful years um, there sure. so yeah but look, look that guy you cannot take it away from him him and his father, you know, yep. obviously started where yep. they came into the business after yep. Paul started yep. it. They've been incredibly successful. Um, let's talk about that. Let's, you know, Paul writes a column like I do for Property Industry Eye. Well, look, come and do 15, 20 minutes on the on the chairs here and talk about your background, uh, how you're doing and how you think the, the future of the industry looks. Okay. So I, I think... So you're after leaders, aren't? whereas I, I, I'm, I'm coming from a different space, Russell. I want to hear from those people who are making um, waves in the industry at the moment in, in a different way. Well, yep. not so much disruptors, but, you know, I follow Grant J. Bates, for example, from um, Hamptons. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram. I mean, the guy is a absolute god, a genius of um, the social media posts, the way he's presenting London property. Um, I think people would aspire um, to understand what Grant's doing and how he does it and how he gets himself in front of yeah, that yeah, camera. Yeah. I think we'd have to get up at 4.30 in the morning to do it. To do it. Tyron Ash, maybe we should go to Dubai. Tyron, but, you yeah, know, yeah, Tyron no. is out Tyron's there a very complex, putting himself... I think he's a he's an underrated character. I know he is not to everybody's taste, but I think he's got but I tell you big what, bravery. A, a very big bravery. So let's get Tyron on to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. We can do a web link. Um, I think there's some incredible independent estate agents that have um, come out of the the, the corporates and opened. Uh, I don't think there's going to be. I don't think there's going to be a shortage of the people that we would like to talk to. What I want to see is debate and thought leadership. The stuff that I genuinely try and promote if I write for Pi or if I'm doing something on LinkedIn. Um, you know, we can have a bit of a laugh. There will definitely be some arguments, some disagreement, both between us yeah. and those others that uh, come and talk to us here, but some controversy. I'm afraid without a little bit of controversy and opinionatedness, uh, you don't end up having a deep enough debate to change and improve things. Uh, and we can talk about fees, high street offices, licensing, a whole bunch of different yeah. things, you know, whether a corporate's better than a high street. But let's agent. talk about let's let let's the, let's let the people tell us why. Yeah. The corporate is better in the than comments. the high street in the comments exactly. and also um, as guests. So so we'd love to hear from you um, and come along here. We've got a beautiful studio um, in East London. Um, we'll always have a, a coffee ready for you. We'd love to talk to you about your business, what makes it tick um, and where you're looking to take uh, the future of estate agency. So um, if you're a business leader, a business owner or you're an estate agent that's got something to say or a lettings agent, um, we'd love um, to hear from you. So reach out that, to us. Yeah, Please do on, reach on, out to us. On that note, it's good night from me. And it's goodbye from him. <laughs>